Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 39, if you would. There's a kid's book that's pretty old, probably over 150 years ago. An author named George MacDonald wrote a book called The Princess and the Goblin. I don't know if you've ever read it or even heard of it. The protagonist or the hero is a little eight-year-old girl named Irene. And Irene in the house that she lives um, finds her way up to the attic and there she meets her fairy grandmother. And her fairy grandmother pops into the attic sometimes when she's up there and they talk together. Um, And that's when she finds out that her house is right near the goblin cave and there's all kinds of dangers. And so one time when they're meeting together, that her fairy grandmother, not godmother, grandmother, um, gives her this ring And she says to Irene, there's this ring and it's got a thread tied to it. At the end of it is a ball, the ball of thread is at the end of it, although you can't see it. But she says to her, if you're ever in danger, you have to take the ring off, put it under your pillow, and then take your thread and put it uh, between your finger and your your thumb and then follow it wherever it goes. But you can't see it, you can only feel it. And so her fairy grandmother says, it will lead you where you need to fall wherever it leads and it will lead you to me no matter where it leads you. Always remember that I am on the other end of it. Never doubt your fairy grandmother. And so a few days pass after that meeting and the goblins get loose in her house and she's panicking. But even in her panic, she remembers the words of her fairy uh, grandmother And she takes the ring off, puts it under the pillow, and she senses the thread. And so she takes the thread, and in her mind, she gets a little peace and says, oh, this is great because I'm in a lot of danger with the goblins in my house. I can hear them, and I'm going to take this thread, and I'm going to follow it, and it's going to take me to safety. And then my fairy grandmother, she was very confident. But when she started to follow it, as the story goes, believe it or not, it took her out the front door and through the yard And on a trail, and believe it or not, when she got out there at night, the trail, she knew it. Um, It was headed toward the goblin cave, and she couldn't believe it. Um, But she remembered the words, never doubt, go wherever the thread leads you. And so she was scared, but she did it. She followed it, and she was very trembling and, and afraid, if you can imagine. So she enters the goblin cave. Now, the goblins were mostly in her house at that time, so it wasn't very filled with goblins at that point, but she's still scared nonetheless, and it leads her to this large, huge heap of stones. And all of a sudden, when she gets to the stone, she realizes, oh, this is a dead end. There's absolutely no way I can get out of this. And that's when, through her own tears, she hears her friend, who's a few years older than her, Curdy is his name, and He's there and he says, what are you doing here? She didn't know it, but the goblins had already taken him and he was their prisoner in the cave. And she didn't realize that. He says, what do you, she goes, well, I didn't really know why I was here. I was following my fairy grandmother's thread, but now I know why it's leading me here because I'm here to help you get out. 
And she realized the thread led through the stone heap and all the rubble. And so she knew that she had to do because she had to follow it. So she starts digging out, digging out. And she finally makes a hole big enough. And Curdie is so excited because she had freed him. And now he's going to crawl out the hole and he'll be able to escape. And, and that's what he does. And as he's going out the hole, he looks back to Irene and she's going the opposite direction. He says, Irene, where are you going? And she goes, I have to follow the fret thread no matter where it leads. And right now it's leading deeper into the cave. And I'm going to trust my fairy grandmother. It's a, it's a really cool kid's story. But the lesson is this, that when you trust the Lord, you have to follow his leading. That God leads you in all kinds of places. Now, I don't have this as my actual title, but tonight I said, I thought to myself, how to follow God when the goblins are following you? And, you know, when you look at the life of Joseph in Genesis 39, here he is following God, trying to follow God, and his brothers are the goblins at first, and they sell him into Egypt, and then he's sold into Potiphar's house as a slave, and his wife is there, and that's a goblin for sure. And then he ends up being put in jail, and he's in jail for two full years, left, not remembered, forgotten. And that's a goblin. And eventually he ends up in a palace. But see, it's difficult, isn't it? You watch Joseph's life, and here's what God says follow the thread. I told you the dream at the beginning, right? And on the other end of it, I'm attached to it. And if you just follow the thread, God says, you hold on to this and I'll hold on to the other line, the other end of the line, just like the story goes. And Joseph does that. But it's, let me tell you this, it's not easy because the thread takes in places that he thought with God he'd be safe, secured, he'd be elevated, he'd be above everybody else because that's what the dream said in the end, right? But it takes in places that don't go up, places that are down, down to Egypt, down to Potiphar's, down to the prison. And the thread weaves and winds places, all kinds of places. But what you find, and I want to show you, if you look at Genesis 39, it's a long chapter. We don't have time to read the whole thing. But let me show you how the story is bracketed. Because here's what you have to have. Three things tonight I want to show you from Joseph's life in this chapter. Three things you have to have in your life if you're going to follow the thread wherever it goes. Right? The first one is this. You need to grasp God's presence. Now, this is how uh, Moses, who wrote this story in Genesis 39, frames the text. Right? Ready? First two verses. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt... And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Now, underline this text. Ready? The Lord was with Joseph. See that? Underline it. Remember the thread? You can't see it, but you can feel it. Now, he can't see the Lord, right? But it says the Lord is with him. Now, remember how difficult those two things, they don't seem congruent. He is a slave sold by his brothers, bought by Potiphar, not at home. He's in Egypt. But here's what it says. The Lord is with Joseph. Doesn't look like it, does it? But it says the Lord. Now, again, verse 3. His master saw, circle a second time, the Lord was with him. It was observable to him. Now, Watch the framework. Go to the end of the chapter. 39, 
21 and 23. Two more times, Moses wants us to know that everything that happens between the beginning of chapter 39 and the ending of chapter 39 is telling you this is what your life could look like when the Lord is with you. When you're following the thread and it's invisible and you can't see him and you're holding on to the thread knowing he's on the other end of it, it may look like this. 21, he restored... I'm sorry, I got the wrong chapter. One too many pages. 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Same exact order, by the way. The Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with him. That was verses 2 and 3. Verse 23 now gives us the other side of it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. So this is the framework of this chapter, right? We have the Lord is with him at the beginning twice, at the ending twice. It's when he is in Potiphar's house and the second time he's in prison. Both of them, one is a slave and then... And, and here's what the Bible wants us to know. Here's what Moses wants to tell you. That when the Lord is with you and you're following the thread, it may not always lead you in places that you thought were part of what God wanted. Especially not what you wanted. Now, there's a long line in the Old Testament, even bleeding into the New Testament, of great saints of God who have this little phrase attached onto their name. And I'm going to give them to you. It's not our study and completely tonight, obviously, but it should be yours. It's a great study. Very well worth it. It's the phrase, the Lord was with them or him. Joseph, obviously, we mentioned. Moses and Joshua, write it down if you want to. I'm going to zoom right through them. Joshua 1.5 says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3.19, and the Lord was with Samuel and not one of his words fell to the ground. David, multiple times, probably more than anybody else in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 18, 12, 14, 18, and a couple other places, but mainly that 1 Samuel 18, the Lord was with David and gave him great help. Solomon, 2 Chronicles 1.1, Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18.7, Phineas, 1 Chronicles 9.20, Asa, 2 Chronicles 15.9, John the Baptizer, Luke 1.66, and Jesus himself in Luke 5.17. All of these people have this phrase going on, and that is, the Lord is with them. Joseph had a sense, and I want you to ask yourself tonight, do you? Do you have a sense of God's presence in your life as you seek to follow the thread? Now, Here's the, here's the main message of all 10 or 11 of those. I'm sorry for that. I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm going to take it out of my pocket. There I go. Maybe that'll help. The main thrust of all 10 of those people that I said in the Old Testament and in the, in the Gospels, the Lord was with them, was that they went through good times and the Lord was with them. And sometimes they were in bad times. Gideon is another one, Judges 6, 12. Gideon says, in fact, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon would have thought you're out of your mind. The Lord's not with us. Look at me. I'm, I'm doing my work in a wine press. I'm hiding out. I, I got no one else around me to help. We are enslaved. It's the worst it could ever be. And here's what the, the angel of the Lord says. The Lord's with you. 
I mean, and you go through, Joshua had to fight battles. John the baptizer was in prison and had his head cut off. Jesus was crucified. David had all kinds of Saul trying to kill him. I mean, you have people in the Bible who were told the Lord was with you or the Lord is with you. And they went through some of the most. The grandmother also said, don't ever try to go backwards because the thread will disappear. And she actually, on the way out to the Goblin Cave in the book, said she tried to go back and she couldn't because then the thread disappeared. It only worked when she was going forward. And see, that's what I love about Joseph. He's following the thread and it seems like things get, go from bad to worse. He sold, he sold a second time, then he's commits a, he doesn't commit a crime, but he gets punished for it for two years. And he's forgotten. I mean, it goes from bad to worse. But here's what he has. Listen, that through all of the times where he follows the thread and he doesn't know why it's going this way, here's what the Bible repeats over and over again. The Lord was with him. And I don't think that that's just the Lord was with him and he didn't realize it. Because even Potiphar realized the Lord was with him because he could see all the blessing. Everything Joseph touched literally turned to gold. Everything. And so to the point where he elevates, remember, Joseph is 17. There are other men in the house because it says so. He was the only one. All the other men were gone when Potiphar's wife comes after him. So there are other men, undoubtedly probably mostly older than him. And here he is, 17. He's not even Egyptian. He's a Hebrew. And he's the top one now. He's elevated. No one has anything to do without asking Joseph. And Joseph is in charge. And obviously, Joseph realized that too. He realized that God is with him. Now, let me tell you this. The Lord is with you in your successes and in your sufferings. The Lord is with you in your prosperity and in your pain. Where has the Lord been leading you lately? How, where has the thread been taking you? I, I talked to Jackie Davis today. And I listened to her. She told me how the thread has been leading her and Eddie and how he fights the cancer and the sicknesses and the problems that they face. And it gets, goes from bad to worse. But they're still following the thread and they're trusting that the Lord's at the other end of it. In American economy, we're facing, what, almost $5 a gallon. I've heard it's going to go over 6 And everything, did you know that the bird flu has, all the turkeys are gone. They all had to be killed, I think, I guess. And someone, was, I think Steve was telling me that he was in a restaurant recently and tried to get turkey, and they said they won't have it till the fall. And so you don't have that. Now, that probably doesn't ruin your day, probably. But, but the t prices are going up, and everything is skyrocketing prices. And you might find yourself, the thread is leading you through some really financial struggles and tensions singleness It's been a thread that you've been along for a while, the loneliness that goes with it. Sometimes you say, you know what, the thread leads here and the emotional instability that I face and the fear and the anxiety and the culture in which we live. I mean, you can't, quote unquote, even go to school anymore and feel safe, can you? Painful relationships and struggles I have. And see, I thought when I followed the thread and I followed God, I wasn't ready for all the goblins, I guess. I guess I wasn't ready to think that that's where the Lord would, heal, would take me. One of my favorite books I like to quote or tell stories about is Pilgrim's Progress. And Christian, 
after he leaves the city of destruction along his way, as he's on his way to the celestial city, so to speak, or Mount Zion, after he's gone through a lot of problems, he comes to what's called the Palace Beautiful, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. And he goes up to the gate, and they let him through the gate, and eventually he's given permission to go into it, and it's a place where pilgrims on their journey can stop and get rest and refreshment. He goes in there, and they're so kind to him. They give him a beautiful, luxurious room. They feed him well, and he really enjoys it there. And after he's there for a couple days, the porter of the place takes him down and says, before you go, now that you're rested and refreshed, I've got to show you something because you're going to need it when you leave here. And he takes him through and he takes him down to the armory. And they go into the armory and they step in this vast room. And in this room, there are all kinds of Bible stories that are illustrated on the walls. And in it are the items that were used by some of the heroes of faith. And they are the sling and the stone of David and the sword and the shield of other warriors. And he's got all this stuff on him. And the porter begins to tell him, this is what it means to be a Christian. See, you're on your way and the rest of the journey... Uh, to the city of God, but you're going to fight and you're going to battle and God's going to lead you places that you never thought you'd go. And I wrote them down. After, right after he leaves that palace beautiful, he fights and faces Apollyon, the devil. He goes to the slough of despond, the valley of the shadow of death. He passes by the entrance to hell, which is on both sides, huge pits that you could fall in yourself. And before he can reach the city, he has to go through all of those things and more. And the whole point that John Bunyan is making is this, is that that's what it means to follow the thread. That's what it means on your journey to the celestial city. And see, Joseph finds that out. Maybe tonight you're beginning to find that out. That see, that's how we go. That's how the journey, the Jesus journey works. It's that God is not just with you and makes everything Great. Now, even in the worst circumstances, he made Joseph very successful. But he also, at the same time, allowed him to be put into prison for a crime he didn't convince. He didn't do. But here's what he had. He was convinced all the way through it. And then I'm going to show you even more detail. Here's what he knew. See, I, he had a grasp of God's presence. That even though everything around me looks to the contrary, I believe the Lord is with me. Secondly... Let me build on it. You need to not only grasp God's presence, but you need to get, grasp God's purity. Can you turn back to chapter 39 and verses 9 and 10? You know the story. The Bible goes out of its way to say Joseph is handsome in form and appearance, which means he was good looks and he was muscular. He was both. And so the Bible says that, and that's part of God's design for him too. Good things, but also built in with other things. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he says no. He refused and said to his master's wife, now what? He's very intense about this. He wants her to pay attention. Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater than in this house than I am, nor has any kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do, underline it, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, God's presence helps us follow the thread through trouble and through temptation. 
We need to grasp God's presence because it's God's presence that gives us a grasp of God's purity. And what is awesome about Joseph in this text is that he was a slave to Potiphar, but he was never a slave to his sin. See, that was a slavery he couldn't control. The slavery he couldn't control was to Potiphar in Egypt, but the slavery he could control by the grace of God was to the flesh, and he did. Interesting, the word master is used five different times in this text. Verse 2, 3, 8, 16, 19. And here's how he was able to say no to Potiphar's wife and yes to God. One of the things was this, obedience. He knew this, he had a master, and he honored that responsibility in the position and the, the power and the privilege it was to serve him in that place in that time. And so he obeys his master. But here's what he knows ultimately, that Potiphar is not my ultimate master, God is. And although that's acceptable in Egypt lifestyle, it's not acceptable when you follow God. And when you lead, let me tell you this, and when you're going through the thread on your Jesus journey and it takes you places that you weren't planning, things that you would not want to go to, one of them will always be some sort of temptation and difficulty that will distract you and try to get you away from God and into sin. And Joseph knows this, that knowing the Lord was with him keeps me from wanting to be with her. And and in my Bible, I drew circles and a big line. And the two verses, two and three of chapter 39, they both say with him, meaning God. And then down in verse 10, it says, he didn't want to be with her. And I, I put those two together because I think it's one of the keys to sexual purity. I don't think you can subdue your passions to be with her if you're not sensing that you're with him and he's with you. See, I find that when you know that God's with you, his presence is there, he's looking in your life, he's watching over you. See, being with him will help negate being with her. He didn't want to be with her. And I think it's because he had an attitude of magnitude, I call it. Magnitude meaning how he saw the sin that he would have been committing if he would have done it. He says, I can't do this great wickedness against God. Most deities were considered local. And most people would say the God of Joseph was back in Israel where he came from. And now there were new gods here in Egypt and he would have to find one of those and adopt it. But see, here's the God of the Bible. He's the God everywhere and he's really the only true God. So Joseph didn't use cultural excuses. He didn't do situational excuses. He didn't try to trivialize what was happening, blame it on his brothers. He doesn't do anything. You know what he does? He senses and grasps God's presence. How can I do this great wickedness against God? See, God is not just back home. He's here. See, that's what it takes for you and I. That's what it takes for our kids. That, see, God is at work. I don't do one thing at church and another thing at home and have another set of morals. See, I don't talk really nice at church and then I cuss at work. See, I don't do that. So we don't do that, right? Why? Because God's presence is always there. And because we know he's here, we also sense his purity and his holiness in our lives. God's presence and her absence go together. Right? God's presence, her absence. I love the fact, listen to the text. He said no to lying with her and watch, and being with her. You know what I call that? Zero tolerance policy. True or false? You tell me. 
I think Joseph was radical about sexual purity. And by that, I mean he wasn't just willing to do the minimum that he thought was required so that he wouldn't fall into sinful passions. I find too many people as Christians that I talk to are always looking to do as little as they have to to be holy. What they think that the least that they can do to get away with not doing a bad action. But look what the text says. He was not going to be and do the act of immorality with her. That was a given for him, but he went further than that. You know, he says, I'm not only going to not lie with you, I'm not going to be with you. (laughs) You see what he's saying? I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to be around you. Some people struggle with lust, but it shocks me that they still pay monthly for movie channels that have extremely explicit content on them. Now, you can say, I have it on my TV, but I'm not going to watch it. Now, I would tell you, watching it is the action. But with that action, if you want to go long term, is an attitude that has to go with it. And Joseph had both. You know why? Because he saw it as great wickedness. Great wickedness. Surfing the internet for hours and hours at a time without anyone else around you isn't going the extra mile. In fact, may not even be doing the minimum requirement. Dating lost people as a teenager or as a young adult, knowing that God forbids you to marry them, it's not serious. Friends that you have and that we allow our children to have sometimes that are obviously leading them down a path that is not godly, and yet we don't do anything about that, See, we're, not, we're just doing less than what's required. But Jesus, here's what Joseph says. I'm going to go the extra mile. Why? Because it was great wickedness. Why was it great? Why wasn't it just wickedness? Wickedness is a strong term. Why was it great wickedness? Because God was great to him. God's presence was great to him. His purity was great to him. And if that's true, the wickedness was great. But let me flip it over for you. If God isn't great and his purity isn't great, the wickedness won't be great. See, we have this mentality, don't we? And and when it comes to to diseases or sicknesses, we have ones that we consider small and some of them are big. So if I get a cold that's small, cancer that's big, and we take it as seriously as we need to, right? Right? Can I tell that? You can do that with sickness, but you can't do that with sin. You can't say, you know, I watch a little bit of that, and that wasn't so great, but, you know, I didn't actually do anything bad. I wasn't going to act on it. And we try to make things small, and God says, no, it's bigger than you think, because it's not just the negative or the action that you need to do. It's also the attitude that you need to go with it. So here's what Joseph says. If you want to follow the thread and you want to take it wherever God leads you and still be following him, knowing he's at the other end, you have to do two things so far. You have to grasp his presence and you have to grasp God's purity. And lastly, you need to grasp God's providence. There are a number of texts, and I'm going to list them for you uh, because we couldn't read them all. But he does what is right in this text in three times in verses Actually, four times, verse 12, 13, 15, 18, it says this. Either he tells the story or, his wife t- or Potiphar's wife tells the story. But here's what he does. When he does the right thing and he doesn't know what else to do, he runs. 
He leaves her, his garment in her hand and he runs. He's running out not knowing what's going to happen, where he should go, and what Potiphar, the, 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 his master, is going to say, but he's probably imagining it's not going to be good. Notice he doesn't run away. He's still staying there, but he runs away from being with her. And here's what he's doing. He still knows that the Lord is with him. And he does what is right, and here's what he has to do at this point of following the thread. He has to trust God with the consequences. So do you trust God and do what is right and pleasing, practicing his presence and his purity? Will you do what's right even when the thread leads to prison for a crime you didn't commit? And he wasn't in there for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It was a couple of years. But here's what he kept him, I believe, kept him going. And I want to show you. He knew the Lord was holding the other end of the thread. That eventually if he kept following it, it would lead him to the Lord. And here's what it says. Even at the end of the chapter... He found favor. Now, at the beginning of the chapter, it says he found favor with Potiphar. At the end of the chapter, he said he found favor with the keeper of the prison. Why? Because nothing had changed with God. His circumstances had changed. It went from bad to worse. God's presence and purity never changed. And neither did Joseph. He was in the prison He could have got bitter. He could have got angry. He doesn't. He keeps following and says, even here, I'll let you find favor and have mercy in the sight of this keeper. Daniel found favor with the chief of the eunuchs when he was exiled. Esther, when she was in trouble and their nation was in trouble, it said she found favor with Azuerus. Nehemiah found favor to go back and rebuild with Artaxerxes. David found favor when he was was with the Philistines, with Achish. See, God's people who follow God and obey his word, follow the thread, and trust him with the consequences can always depend on this, that God is at the other end of the thread and he's got it all under control. See, to believe that God's providence is always leading you and he hasn't made any mistakes where the thread goes, you have to believe that he is a God whose providence is always good and right. I'm going to, again, one last list, I promise. Read these verses on your own. Chapter 41, verse 16, 25, 28, 32, 51 through 52. 45, chapter 45, 5, 7, 8, 9. Chapter 48, verse 9. Chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. And you know what all of those verses have in common? Here's what he says. You didn't send me here. God did. See, God did this, and he named his children, and the names he gave his children when he went into the palace and got out, you know what, God brought me through this trouble. God was doing this. Remember at the end of the book, the ones we do know, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Now, all the way through, all the way through, from the very time he gets in trouble and the, and the thread leads him, right, from Potiphar's house to the prison and eventually into the palace, here's what he is always saying, even afterwards, and he's, got, he's looking says, God and his providence were leading me every step of the way. Every step of the way. We followed the thread from Potiphar's house, the prison, eventually into the palace. If you don't see the invisible thread, let me say it this way theologically, the invisible hand of God working in your life and leading you because you know he's there with you, and you're doing what's right no matter what the outcome is, if you don't trust him like that, here's what can happen, and I've seen it multiple times. 
If you don't grasp God's providence, eventually when the thread keeps winding places that are difficult and hard, you will begin to despair. Thus, the slough of despond. You want to give up, throw in the towel, wave the white flag and say, I can't keep doing this. And if you don't believe God is at the end of the thread holding it, if you don't believe that the thread is going to take you to him ultimately, you will give up in despair. You would also possibly grow bitter and angry. Say, I followed you, Lord. I held on to the thread and I can't seem to ever get to where I want to and find you and all these things. And you begin to get angry and say, God, why? You begin to question him. And you don't believe that he's in control and you don't believe that he's loving anymore. And then you begin after that to do this. You seize control. You can't in your mind and heart trust him anymore. So you're going to take over and you're going to call the shots and you're going to do things your way. See, God, I'm lonely and I want to be married and you never have the thread lead down that path. So you know what? If I marry a lost guy, I marry a lost guy. But I'm not doing this anymore and you don't seem to care. I really need this job and I got to do this. And so if I got to take a job I shouldn't take and cut corners and do things unethical, listen, if that's what I have to do to pay the bills, I'll do that. See, we face the goblins and some of us begin to doubt. We begin to doubt and we want to go backwards and then the thread disappears in our hands and we can't go backwards and we don't want to go forwards and where will we go from here? And then we ditch God. But what we have to remember is what the, te- the chapter tells us. Everything in between it should be bracketed by this. The Lord is with you. See, I don't know where the thread's taking you tonight and where it's taking you and where it will take you. But here's what I know from Joseph. The Lord is at the other end of the string. And you can trust him. You can trust him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for the story of Joseph in this chapter of Scripture. Thankful for his example. I pray for those here tonight who find it difficult to follow the thread. The goblins, they seem overwhelming. And they want to have faith rule out, but often it's fear. They don't know what the future holds, and they're not sure that you're at the other end of the string. Father, may they practice your presence. May they know the promise that you're with them. And may they do what's right because you're a pure and holy God, no matter if they don't understand what's going to happen. And even if the consequences don't turn out the way they thought they were or should do, help them to follow the thread and never doubt that they know that your invisible hand of providence is there. And although they can't see your hand, they trust your heart. I pray that you will help us to have that kind of faith the faith of Joseph, as we follow the thread and face the goblins and live out the victory that Christ Jesus has given us until we reach the end of our Jesus journey and see you face to face. Help us, O Lord, we ask in your name. Amen.